0: Dear shady franchise people, <laughs> no. we're joining you, how to trick your franchisees with item 19. Coming up next. That Charles is what we call a franchise clickbait. Because I know if they watch that opening, they're like, what are, what are, what are they gonna say next?
1: That was a good open.
0: All right, so item 19. Let me, I'm gonna set set this up like I always do. Uh, Talk way too much, Charles is gonna chime in and then we're at 15 minutes and we're done. So you're the expert on this, sorry, you're the attorney. But when you and I talk, it Mm -hmm. seems like, and it's not just item 19, it's the whole FDD, that it doesn't seem like there's franchise best practices. You have the templated stuff. But we'll start with item 19. So if there's no best practices and the interpretation is different by every franchise attorney, how do I even look at this as a franchisee? How do I compare apples to apples? How how do I set this up as a franchisor? Well, the franchisee part's easy
1: because you're looking for information, right? So there are no, I mean, best practices to disclose as much information as you can that's representative of reality of the franchise, right? So two perspectives from the franchisor perspective, I think best practices is what will your franchisee candidate ask about? What information are they gonna look for and how could you give it to them? So for example, if your the franchise business has three different revenue streams, or three different um, components, then disclose those gross sales separately. And then take another step because what's the franchisee gonna ask after that? Well, what's the margins on this this line of business versus that, right? So why not show cost of goods sold separate as opposed to just lumping everything together? I think best practices is what's the narrative, the honest narrative and story that we're gonna communicate to franchisees about the business and what's the data they're gonna look for and let's give it to them. For the franchisee, it's simple. If you don't see the data that makes sense, walk away. And brokers are really diligent with this and FSOs are, they don't wanna waste time with brands that have senseless item 19s. Now here's the other thing for franchisors. You can have an attorney that's just gonna put you in a cookie cutter box if you wait to do your item 19 until January, everyone's going to be overwhelmed. They're going to lump a bunch of stuff together and just file it. And it's probably the most important part of your FDD.
0: Okay, so keep unpacking some stuff. So you just said, lawyer, franchise attorney can throw it together. How is a franchise, like what questions should a, a franchise or be asking their franchise attorney about the item 19? Or what should they be saying? Or what should they be giving? like? Because the reality is, like the franchisor is leaning on the attorney as the expert and saying you're you're my guide, and the attorney is lazy, then is is there questions that I should be asking as as a zor? Yeah,
1: yeah. There, there's there's. I, I it's not so much the questions. I think the zor should or the look. We're starting our item nineteen discussions now, right? So the zor should be reaching out to their counsel and say, hey it's, it's gonna be October, I'd like to have a team call on what we'd like to, our item 19 to look like in 2022. The questions we're getting from candidates, the financial information that we believe we could disclose, what you believe is inbounds and not, and can we start modeling it out now? So I think if they have those conversations now, franchisors need to direct this and saying, this is the information we wanna disclose, part-time, full-time, You know, data sets based on how long a franchise is open, you know, grouping them together um, and drill down information that goes beyond gross sales, cost of goods sold and other factors. So franchisor has to start the conversation. I think franchisors have to give. Here's the wish list buckets of information we want to give. What does this look like? Let's not put the numbers in yet. What would that item 19 look like if we modeled it out? You give us the framework, we're gonna fill in the numbers. I think that has to be the conversation now. And the attorney should be asking, how can I give my client a competitive advantage? What's the data, right? The easiest thing for me to do is prepare an item that says gross sales is X, right? And we're working with a client right now, really innovative business. I'm like, gross sales is not enough, let's break it up. Three different categories because now, you're giving candidates that info. You're communicating your business is really three in one, or you have three different revenue streams. They have different um, operating margins. So let's really define what costs of goods sold. Let's show what those margins are. And now you're telling a better story than, than your competition.
0: Of when, when you intercept a client from another franchise attorney, so they're on generation two franchise attorney, how many times do you look at that item 19 and you're like, "Wow, they did a really nice job."
1: Well, I mean, I've seen some good item 19s, right? But when clients switch to us, usually item 19 is one of the pain points.
0: Okay, but but now counterpoint. That attorney most likely would argue you that they did they did a good job. And I think that's that's the challenge with best practices. So the reality is like, it's all about like item 19 is a part of the narrative that you tell. And if like, it's really up to the franchise or to, to dictate what the story is, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. It, it, well, the answer is yes. Um, and look, an attorney can only do so much. You need the data. What What I hear a lot though is, Charles, we didn't know we could disclose this. Or we didn't know we could give this type of data. We were just told we could do X, Y, and Z. So, and I don't know if that's on the attorney. It could be on the franchisor. I don't know. There's a ton of super competent franchise lawyers out there, right? Um, But also, it's just a conversation, which is, you know, even, for example, a retail business or a service-based, like, why aren't we doing a drill down into average sale per transaction or repeat customers or call center conversions. So I, I don't, you can't blame that on one side. I just think it's it's probably not part of the conversation. You know, like anything else in life, we don't know what we don't know. So if you go through the process and have the conversation and ask a franchisor, what's important to your unit level economics? What would be like, if you had a wish list of information you could give to a franchisee candidate, what would it be? And then from there, work on it.
0: So, what about bad attorney practices, in your opinion? So, franchisor is, well, let, let's, I mean, I'm making up a hypothetical, but uh, their average unit volume is sound, their net return is awful. What happens is the attorney then creates a story or a narrative that positions or gives the zor the tools to go sell franchises, but not to grow franchisees. Isn't that like, isn't that dangerous? Well,
1: um, that is dangerous, right? But I'm going to put that on the franchisor, right? The franchisor is offering franchises; they're claiming this information is valuable. I mean, that's going to be on the franchisor, Um, you know, but there's a narrative there too. It depends on how, how old the units are, how long they're open in terms of that ROI, you know, what is the operate, you know, the initial startup expense, is there good ROI in years three to five, right? I mean, so there could be some good viability, just depends on what they're doing. But I mean, item 19s that generally are just gross sales, have very limited value, um, you know, and then I think franchisees are wise to that. And I know franchise brokers, good franchise brokers, they they want to see more. The trend, best practices, are trending toward deeper dives and more detail.
0: Uh, back in the day when I used to walk to school barefoot, back in the day, like the Jimmy John's. Item nineteen. That was in every ad that you looked. Whenever you saw them, it was this inflated number that had a disclosure that was like it's you know, teens of locations. Isn't that like I don't know what their their net profit is. Maybe maybe it was a good return on most stores, but isn't that also dangerous when you're telling narrative that is only reserved for the best the best units or false positives that may have had higher level you know, marketing support behind them. Isn't that like, I know you're you're anti-regulation to some extent, like you don't want the states coming back and and creating the the guideline. But like, don't we play in a dangerous zone when like there's such bullshit around item 19 where we can't even like just have an honest conversation of this is what our business is?
1: Well, I I mean, you can't completely blame the franchisors for that, right? Because, you know, there's also plaintiff's lawyers out there that want to sue franchisors for everything and nothing. I mean, ridiculous lawsuits that are, in my opinion, designed to generate legal fees and destroy a great business and a great franchisor. So I think you always have a balancing act. I, you know, I am anti-regulation. I think the framework works because there's push and pull. And I think you know, honesty is gonna win out or it's starting to win out. I mean, those inflated numbers or those skewed numbers, you know, franchisee attorneys, there's smart ones out there, they should be pushing the franchisees to dive deeper in and validation. And, and I think the franchise sales organizations are holding to somewhat stronger standards. I mean, it's just gonna, ha- I mean, Nick, if you compare franchising to the general business world and the BS that goes on in the general business world Partnership disputes, stock offerings—you know—I think the franchise world looks pretty good.
0: Yeah, I—I I, I mean, I agree with that statement. I mean, like, the reality is, like, it is—I mean, it's set up better than licensing. It's set up, yeah. And and really, the like part of the learning for if I'm a franchisee watching this, like, you got to do your diligence. You got—you can't. It's like you tr- trust everyone, but cut the cards. Like, you got to be. You got to be careful on this. So to a franchisee, isn't the best bet to take their diligence away from an FDD and into the hands of discussions with current franchisees within the system? Um, So
1: I think that's always the best bet, right? I think you have to evaluate the integrity of the leadership team. But I do think, look, we have clients that have phenomenal item 19s. It's not because I'm a great lawyer, but because they have great numbers and great data. And I could tell you the data looks amazing and it's legitimate, right? So so there's definite value. I think as a franchise buyer, though, you need to just get past the BS item 19s and, and just demand more. Or if you're not getting that data, you need to double validate and really push the envelope, right? Um, so there, but there's some great numbers out there and they're great because it's a good opportunity.
0: Okay. So t- take that. So you take some of these brands that, you know, some of the franchise sales organizations or broker systems that like push extremely fast growth. Uh, it, shouldn't the buyers be pushing pause? And doesn't that mean like there's still a degree of sales happening and convincing franchisees versus developing franchisees. And in your opinion, does when it's oversold uh, like the process is oversold and the numbers aren't as good as maybe some other brands and category, um, you know, ultimately that's on the front. Like that's again, red flag back to the franchisee that they have to do their homework.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that's always a red flag, right? Um, You have a great, brand great system great numbers if they overexpand they they may get crushed right so that that has to be factored in but then that goes back to leadership team um you know and 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 brokers for good reason I, i think for sincere reasons look for strength in numbers right they're looking for brands that have good performance and are growing and then what you find is you have an abundance of buyers for select brands and they're growing very quick question is is four years from now can they handle the growth right so yeah i mean that's that's a red flag if they're growing really quick on the other hand you gotta kind of have a very conservative brand uh that goes nowhere with 10 franchisees
0: well hit hit on. Well, there's a point that you just made that i think it, it's important to call out like the brokers are looking for strong item 19s why? They're not a part of your culture. They're not a part of your brand. They're not a fan of your brand. Therefore, they have to rely on the easiest thing to sell, which is cost to get in and how much I can make. And like so so it's not their fault. No. And it's it's Zors saying grow me fast <clears throat> without connecting the broker into their culture. And therefore, the only thing I know how to sell then is based on the things that are that are black and white, which is numbers, right?
1: Well, I- I don't think it's the only thing. I think it's their headline yeah. is the item 19 because you really shouldn't be in the game if you don't have a great item 19.
0: That's the statement that I think we need people to hear. Like, and it's so difficult. Like if you need to take a step backwards, it is hard to say, pause, let, let us go fix our positioning, our messaging, our, our website. Like let's, let's take a step backwards because – it is a con- like there's a constant push in the back to grow. And the perception right. is if we're not selling, we're dying. And the reality is, I don't know that that's true. I, I do think lead generation is like a locomotive that it does. If you it stalls, it really stalls. But lead development can go at the pace that is sustainable for your business, which is why we've talked about deal value so many times that – when you take a longer-term view on your brand, you have a better shot at at winning, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think, well, no, I don't think. Really good emerging brands that accelerate in year five have strong item 19s and have had moderate growth. They've limited their growth, build out their systems, and then reach years five and six for acceleration.
0: And we see it. Well look, I think I think there you have it. Charles has said it all. <laughs> Mike dropped out in his peaceful <laughs> garden, his franchise garden. <laughs> it's been done. It's been said. So look, if you have a shitty item 19, continue to be a shitty franchise. <laughs> Red X.